You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Tech Fan Podcast number 418. I am Tim Robertson, joined by David Cohen. Hello, David. Hello from over here. So uh, we're going to give you guys spoiler warnings right at the beginning. We are yeah. going to be talking about The Mandalorian uh, in a little bit. So, you know, uh, if, if yeah. you haven't watched it yet, A, Which, yeah, I can't believe you, you would listen to this show if you haven't. <laughs> Well, no, we have we have a fair few UK listeners, and over here we don't have Disney Plus till next March. Right. So there's no possible way we could have watched it. Mm-mm. No? It'd be impossible. No. So when we do come to talk about it, I will be talking about it based purely on online reviews Hypothetical. Hypothetical. And, and, uh, yeah, and basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to take all the information I've read and, and I'm going to mentally generate what it would have been like to watch it in my mind. Yep. And I will talk about it on that basis. Yeah. Okay? Right. Yeah, that's, as long as that's as long as that's understood by everybody who might be listening, then we're good. We're looking at Disney lawyers. Um, <laughs> you said, well, I, I mentioned that your audio quality as we're talking sounded better. Mm-hmm. I actually had to turn down the volume listening to you, which is quite honestly, I I can't remember the last time I've had to do that because it's usually, I don't want to say tinny, but a little bit tinny. Uh, the listeners probably don't hear that because I do some post-production on your audio when I import it. Yeah. Um, but your audio, when I talk to you, isn't usually all that great. But this time, I have to admit, it sounded a lot better. What's going on? So I have a new Mac. Um, you, you, Our listeners, many of them will be aware that Apple released a new 15-inch MacBook Pro just the other day. And they finally replaced what was viewed by many to be... Well, certainly it was definitely a troublesome keyboard, but um, many people didn't actually like typing. Are you talking about the 16-inch MacBook? The 16-inch. They've replaced the 15-inch MacBook Pro with the with 16. With the 16. That's crazy. Yeah. It's cr- well, there, yeah. there were some rumors, but they weren't, they weren't long out there before Apple actually released this. They weren't. Uh, and um, Which in itself by, is a rarity. Yeah. By all accounts, everybody who's seen one of these machines really, really likes it. That's um, what I've been hearing. So I've not upgraded to that, <laughs> but I do have, <laughs> I do have a new to me 15-inch MacBook Pro in front of me. So um, I we talked about the, the older machines a few a few weeks ago, and yeah. uh, you know what? I decided to go out and buy the best old 15-inch MacBook Pro I wanted to. I felt I could afford. I didn't want Retina. I didn't want um, any of the new stuff. I wanted something that was festooned with ports, had a nice high-resolution screen, and was cheap. And that's exactly what I got. I am I have a late 2011 MacBook Pro here, 15-inch. It has the upgraded um, screen, so it has the 1680 by 1050 screen, which is what you used to get in the 17-inch. So on a 15-inch display, that makes it nice and sharp. Even though it's not retina, it doesn't look too horrible. Um, it has a 2.2 gigahertz quad-core i7 processor, uh, 16 gig of RAM, and a 256 gig uh, SSD drive in it. So and when it, you say cheap, what was cheap? I paid 235 pounds wow, for this. Wow, really? Yeah. That is that is cheap, actually. That's that's a heck. But then again, you know, it is an eight-year-old machine. Well, it is. But the thing is, with this, is that you can do what you want with it. You know, you want to put a bigger SSD in there. You want to put an extra SSD in there. You can. You want to put more memory in it. I kind of. Uh, it's got 16 gig already, so I think that's probably as high as it yeah, goes. Yeah. Yeah. And and honestly, you, you probably don't need any more than that for no. what you're doing. Yeah. Exactly. But if 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 I want to put a new battery in it, take the bottom off. Do it. It's simple. The only risk with these machines, really. Um, well, there's two things. First of all, it won't run the latest version of macOS. Well, I'll um, join the club which there. Which you can kind of, you know, take it or leave it. I'm running High Sierra, and it's perfectly fine. I haven't encountered any apps I need at the moment that won't run on the High Sierra. Uh, and the other problem is sometimes the graphics cards on these go wrong. Um, which, okay, for £235, and it's eight years old, I... I'm taking the view that hopefully if it's not gone wrong now, it won't go wrong. But if it does, you know, kind of, that's the risk I'm taking. But, you know. It's an integrated graphic card, too, so it's not, you can't just. No, it is. Well, it has, this one is dual, so it has a a Radeon. Oh, is it? Okay. Radeon 512 meg, and then also the Intel graphics. So apparently, if if it's the Radeon that tends to go wrong, you can do something to disable the Radeon if it it does that. Um, But, um, yeah, you know what? It. I tell you, in terms of just user experience, booting it up, 
getting things running on it, it feels very fast. Uh, the only real negative I've noticed some, sometimes if it's downloading a lot of stuff from the internet that the fans kick in, and they're uh, relatively loud compared to modern machines. But I believe the latest MacBook Pros, I don't know about this new 16, but certainly the older 15s and the 13 inches also do that anyway. So um, it's not like I'm struggling with something that's been fixed in the eight years since this machine was released. I'm pretty pleased with it, you know. So we'll see how it goes how it goes on. Um, but certainly in terms of price-to-performance ratio, um, I think I've got a bit of a bargain here. And, you know, it, it has like it. USB ports on, um, it has a FireWire port on it, it has Ethernet, it has MagSafe, it has an SD card slot. Um, it even has a CD-ROM <laughs> here if I, if I want that, you know. Yeah, I don't so, know the last time I've needed CD-ROM. Well, no, this is or DVD for that. In matter. fact, I've had the machine a couple of weeks. I still haven't tested the drive, the optical drive, because I can't put my hands on any optical discs to try it. You could um, also remove that optical yeah. disc and put a second SSD in there, which I'm, I might end up doing. To be honest, if the machine kind of continues to work as I hope it will and doesn't cause me any problems, I will probably do that and turn it into a a real bit of a monster. But, um, yeah, no, it's yeah. nice. Obviously, it's thicker and heavier than the later 15-inch and 16-inch machines, but it's not that bad. Well, um, I like that machine because I had that machine. Yeah. Um, that's the one that uh, I picked up when my previous MacBook Pro, and I, I picked up when it was brand new, mm-hmm. when I was at Mac Specialist, when a uh, co-worker spilled a uh, Coca-Cola. I think it, specifically it was a Diet Coke. All over and ruining uh, my then 15-inch MacBook Pro, which I believe was a 2008 edition. Right. Maybe seven. Um, but that machine actually lived on in infamy because it's on my YouTube channel. It's got like a half a million views, and it's a. I had it set up as a dual or a tri-boot machine. It, I could boot with the Mac OS, of course. Yeah. Uh, I could boot Windows, which I had did. And I did this video, and I, and I showed it. And then uh, Ubuntu, I booted up linux so it was a yeah. tri-boot machine it was kind of cool um so i know for a fact that the machine you got right now is a really good machine and quite honestly if the motherboard hadn't gone kaput on me i'd probably still be using it because yeah. it did everything i needed it to do i could hook it up to an external monitor uh it was fast the keyboard is fantastic on that computer yeah and, and i know you mentioned that apple's releasing this new 16 inch macbook pro which looks very attractive to be honest if i was in the market for a brand new and wanted to spend twenty five hundred dollars uh macbook pro that's definitely the machine i would hang out for until it was actually released yeah um and it's got the upgraded keyboard of course but the one on your machine i think quite honestly is one of the very best keyboards apple ever released on a portable yeah um, with the exception of the old 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 uh g3 I think it was G3, G3 Wall Street and Lumbar Power Books way back in the day. Yeah. That it was, uh, you know, they were close together like a normal keyboard and they had small indentations on every key. That was their best portable keyboard. But the yeah. Chiclet keyboards, if you if you have to go that route, which you do on all the new ones, the one on yours is the best. They don't it, fail. Yeah, it is. They, they, you know, it's got nice travel. It's got a good bright backlight on it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's... Well, here's the thing. Up until, what, 2016, when the current generation of MacBook Pros were released, you would occasionally get people talking about which was the best keyboard on a Mac. But most of us kind of just went, well, you know, whatever keyboard is there is good enough. Uh, And then all of a sudden, Apple decided to go and ruin their keyboards. And they spent three, four years. No, Johnny Ives went and ruined the keyboard because... It was it was form over function. It was yeah, but you know what? The rest of Apple went along with his desires. And, well, because um, he could do no wrong. Yeah, and so you know that is now we're having the deification of Apple, I guess. Um, and I don't have a problem with that because I think they they went too far. They gave him too much uh, authority in design, and I think the engineering team should have just as much input in the design of products and i.e. as far as how they work um and it's not just aesthetics and and his whole thing yeah, was 100 percent aesthetics they went too far in one direction it's very very interesting if you hear what apple and and apple has dif- despite the fact they didn't do a uh, a public kind of keynote type of event for this apple really went 
very, very far in promoting this. It wasn't just kind of a, a press briefing or a, uh, a press release. They got, they got people in. They gave them loan machines. They had all the executives from Apple talking about this. Uh, Phil Schiller's done a whole load of personal interviews, which is very unusual. Yeah. They re- and, and he spent a lot of time talking about the keyboard. And, and he's, he's very carefully danced around the fact that, you know, he's talked about how great the new one is without trashing the old one. Um, but it's very interesting. You, if you stop and listen to what he's been saying about how they've looked at ergonomics, how they've looked at usability, how they've looked at spacing, how they've looked at um, how people use things like the escape key that's back now as, as opposed to being stuck in the touch bar and everything. You, you know, all of that is great. But you think, well, why the hell didn't you do that when you created the last keyboard? Absolutely. <laughs> you know? You would have thought yeah. that's all part of the – anytime you change the keyboard design, you would go through all of that process to make sure that you're not making it worse. And, you know, it appears that they just didn't do that. They just decided on this new aesthetic and went with it and then ignored all of the complaints afterwards. And, and let's face it, if those keyboards had been reliable um, and had not had all the failures that caused Apple to launch this um, four-year uh, – kind of service program for keyboard failures yeah if those keyboards had been reliable but people had still hated them we'd still have them today oh no question but they weren't reliable and people hated them and you know in an alternate universe johnny ives thin is better and i I have to get rid of the proper arrow keys and all of that junk um yeah, it would have been great, but unfortunately, in the real world, it wasn't, and no one had the balls to stand up and go, no, this is stupid, we can't do this. Yeah. Um, let's switch tracks a little bit here. Yep. Um, again, we're going to be doing uh, discussing Star Wars, The Mandalorian in particular, here in a few minutes, and if you haven't watched it, and you don't want to have things spoiled for you, and we're only going to be talking about the first episode, even though, as we record this, episode two has come out. So we have to hurry up and finish this episode so I can watch it. Um, <laughs> uh, you don't don't listen to a certain point. So, yeah. uh, but let's let's go over here for a second, David. Um, I got a new uh, game controller. I did right. a review on it on Amazon. It's called the Power A Fusion Wired. Yes, wired. It's not wireless. Oh. Which ugh, uh, f- fight pad for Xbox One? So I put a link in the description or in the uh, show notes. And uh, you guys can follow it over to Amazon if you want to see what I'm talking about. It's not, it's like a three and a half star review on average, but some of the reviews I've seen, they didn't actually buy the thing. They're just like, this thing is how much they're out of their mind. Um, And the people that are complaining don't understand what this is. So this is a true D-pad controller. So it doesn't have the analog sticks that a normal controller would do so for those who are like i don't understand what you mean think of the um the thumb controller but the 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 what do you call it the d-pad the, yeah if this this kind of looks like the old uh, it reminds me of the old sega uh, yes. genesis controller mm-hmm. because it has no joysticks on it at all it's just a d-pad and buttons yep and yeah. so why is this why would anybody want this well if you're an old school type of gamer like me and you want to use something like this on retro systems, the new flight, the new controllers work to a certain extent, but the D-pads on both the PS4, PS3, Xbox 360, and Xbox One are all kind of stiff. They're kind of small-ish. They're just not comfortable to use where they're located. It's not where your thumb naturally goes. That's not the case on the old Sega Genesis or, or Master System ones, and it's also not true with this Power A Fusion. And I have to say, I love it. Um, I, I haven't hooked it up to the Xbox One because I don't have any old type games on my Xbox One that this would be appropriate for. Yeah. But I did plug it into my RetroPie. Mm-hmm. And of course, the RetroPie being um, a really robust system when you figure it's just volunteers working on this, um, recognized it. I set it up and a minute and a half if that you just follow on screen prompts push this push that and i started using this with my older games and it is one of the best d-pads i have ever used wow. uh, i gave it a five star on amazon and i, can I see love that it. you're um I, even though i'm on amazon 
Oh, sorry, I am on Amazon.com, and your review is second one down there. Yeah. I, 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 it's fantastic. Now, it's got a... a ex- you could take off the faceplate. It comes with a black and a white faceplate. Mm-hmm. And I put the white one on, and it really did pop up because the black edges and the buttons, everything really kind of pops through. But it looks great on uh, both. You can customize it a little bit. It's got some controls where you can switch and add some functionality. I didn't do any of that stuff. I simply plugged it in and started playing games. And it's just fantastic. The feel of the buttons, more importantly, the D-pad and the controller in your hand. If you're looking for an older type of game controller for retro gaming, you really can't go wrong with this controller. It, it The build quality is just superb. It feels really good in your hand. It feels like this would have come out, you know, from a major manufacturer like Xbox or like Microsoft or Sony or um here's the thing though, when I reviewed it it was 59.99, now it's $81.60, which is kind of odd. Yeah, I, I wonder if well, I mean Amazon's Amazon has pricing engines, so I wonder if there's been a rush for it. Or maybe it's just become less available. I do see that they have, um, you know, they have uh, other people also bought the bottom here. They have a um, uh, a version for the PS4, which has PS4 style button icons yep. on it, and yep, also one that. also one for the for the Switch, the Nintendo Switch. Now those ones are still sixty dollars. The one so. from the Switch is interesting to me because we obviously we do have a Switch. The problem is, I don't play on the Switch. Cole's kind of adopted it, and uh, but I look at the one on the Switch, and it looks pretty much the same. So okay. I, I got to imagine the build quality is going to be there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I really like it. it. Of course, if you plug it into a retro system like I have, I don't think it really matters which one you get. Although it does seem to me that the Xbox controllers are a little bit more recognizable, mm-hmm. if you will, um, and, and they just seem to work well. So. Yeah. I'm extremely happy with this controller. I just wanted to share that out there. I know maybe a quarter of our listeners actually would be interested in something like that. But for those listeners, this is the D-pad controller you want. If you're going to play old school NES or Super NES or Sega games, even Atari games, even some of the arcade stuff that you can get, um, this is a really good controller. I'm, I'm extremely impressed. Very good. I shall, so, uh, When I finally get up, get around to building my... Um my RetroPie arcade cabinet that I have all boxed up ready to go. Um, I will perhaps look at this as getting an ad- this as an additional accessory. Yeah, you know, I don't care how impressive the graphics are on screen or screen or the technical capabilities of a game. If the controllers suck on a system, you're, yeah. it, it just sucks. Doesn't matter. It's yeah. your interaction with what you're doing on the screen. It should almost disappear. Mm-hmm. The control scheme. You know, when you're at an arcade machine and you're having a lot of fun. You don't think about the type of uh, joystick that you're hitting or the buttons you're hitting unless they're not good. Well, it, I mean, we, we went to that retro arcade in Chicago when we went out to Stock, and that was one of the problems with some of their cabinets is the controllers didn't work very well. Uh, yeah, you could it, tell that they were not rebuilt correctly or yeah. they were in desperate need of being rebuilt. Exactly, and I'm sure, you know, they have a rolling program going around and doing that. But it, it really sucks when you... You know, you're trying to play a game, and and, a, and part of the joystick doesn't work properly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's you can't do it. Yeah, it's um, like trying to play Tempest with without a spinner and an arcade stick. You it, you can't do it. It's not right. Um, or Robotron, where it takes two joysticks, one to move and one to shoot. Mm. Now, I've seen emulation where you use uh, four buttons to shoot up, down, left, right. It just doesn't work. It, it doesn't work. You you can't do it. Yeah, I have I have a game like that on my um, I have a retro arcade game on my Switch actually that does exactly that, um, and um, it's it's not great. And no. you, you look at it, you think the Switch has two joysticks on it. Why the hell didn't you program it to use two joysticks? Right, makes um, no but sense. But it's pr- probably because they ported it from a different system. But it's really really irritating. Yes, uh, it's funny. I'm looking at the. Uh pictures on their on amazon's website and theirs actually shows a gray faceplate too i'm like hey wait a minute. i didn't get the gray faceplate um no good controller happy with yep. it so let's um get anything else that we were going to talk about i know you had that link from last week about the samsung galaxy s10 yeah i it's it, it was just an aside really um you know the uh 
the problem with the S10 is apparently the um, fingerprint sensor, which is built to the screen. If you put a, a non-approved Samsung screen protector on there, so you put just which most generic, people will, which most people will, they'll just put cheap screen protector on it. The fingerprint sensor will basically recognise anybody's fingerprint as legitimate. Uh, doesn't matter who you are, which is a pretty major flaw. And you'd have thought they might have caught that in testing. I don't um, understand why people put screen protectors on their phones. Well, they're worried about breaking their screen. That's why. Or scratching Yeah, but it. most of the phones nowadays have such hardened glass that, no. y- you know, they, they don't break easy. The problem is, there are, you know, they're often a 800 to to $1,000 device, and people are worried about putting them in their pockets with their keys and stuff like that, scratching them up. So, yeah. uh, but look, they don't scratch very easy either. They don't. That's the whole point. The, the they're using is, Gorilla Glass yeah. and all that stuff where they don't scratch. Funnily enough, the last couple of weeks, I... Um, I, I bought Alexandra an iPhone 8 Plus, which is the same model I have. I, I'm waiting for my iPhone 11 to come in. Um, so anyway, because he didn't have a case for it, I took the case off mine and gave it to him. And I've been rocking my iPhone 8 Plus without a case at all. Um, so I've been using it as Johnny Ive intended, with no protection on it whatsoever. And it's fine. You know, yeah. it's, it's absolutely fine. But yep. the thing is, I think... Putting protection on a phone, putting a screen protector on, is is more of a psychological thing. It's it's, it's the same exactly way, right. It's the same way that people. I, I I don't see it so much anymore. But people used to put those covers over the fenders of their car to kind of keep flies. Yeah, off. they were Do you called car, car bras. Yeah, they yeah. were terrible, and it was actually it, it had the opposite effect of what you know. You think, well, you put this on the front of your car, so rock and stuff like that, they won't chip your paint. Well, yeah, but the problem is, little pebbles will get between the paint and the bra itself and yeah. it would scratch the crap out of your car it was one of the <laughs> worst things you could do i would see people with those and i would say take take those off you're ruining the front of your car oh no it protects it yeah. all right we'll take it off right now let's see what it looks like oh look at all the scratches that's been dug in right through the paint and the undercoating and right to bare metal because you had this tiny little pebble that was just rubbing itself to death between this leather thing that you got on the front of your car and your paint. Good and, job. And also, you see that actually on iPhones now, sometimes with cases. Because yeah. a lot of the iPhones now have glass backs. And yep. uh, if you have a case on there and grime gets inside the case, then it's it's just basically it's polished into the case. by It's polished into the glass by the case as it moves. Uh, well, I bring this up because I had, a, uh, I had a, a co-worker. She has the brand new iPhone, whatever, 11 Pro X Super Duper. And she has a screen protector on the front that's actually the screen protector itself is cracked yeah so of course it looks like her phone is cracked and i said well you cracked your phone already how that happened she goes oh no it's just the screen protector i said well why don't you take that off off. well because it's protecting the screen (laughs) no it's the i I don't know what to say it's a psychological thing it it is absolutely cycle psychology it's something i can understand putting it in a case david i do get it yeah you know, it, I I put mine. I like the case I have because it's grippier than. Well, mm-hmm. you know, I it, we had a lot of snow in the last week. Okay, I mean, yeah. very early, uh, almost a foot of snow. It it kind of was crazy, mm-hmm. and extremely cold. It felt more like January this last week. It was terrible. Um, and you know, I'm on the I'm outside and I have to use my phone. Well, if I don't have it in a case, it's very slippery. I have noticed this. I have never dropped my phone as much as since I took the case off. Yeah. Uh, and I've dropped it quite a lot since then. Fortunately, I haven't broken it. And it would kind of start to break it just before I hand it back into the company. But, yep. um, but a good case, I get a screen protector. Yeah. Uh, no one's going to convince me. Oh, I, I had one once, Tim, and I dropped it and the screen broke. So uh, you're – yeah, that's anecdotal uh, evidence. I, Most I people don't it. break yeah. their screen. Even if you I, – I know you can buy tempered glass ones now, so at least you don't get that plastic feel. But even there, you you get you get a ridge around the edge because the the screens on these phones are curved and they can't build curved screen protectors. Right, exactly. So. And then worse, it's this gorgeous screen, and you put this piece of cheap plastic on it, which is only going to take away from the you know the vibrance of the screen. Yeah. Uh, like, well, look, look why? It, why? it is a thing. Uh, you and I don't understand it. It's a it. stupid thing. Um, and I guess you know if anyone out there would like to argue in favour of the screen protector, then right in let's let's hear it and somebody will say oh well i use this one it's so much better i'm sure it's fine but it's it's a psychological protection it's not it's not actually doing what you think it's doing 
And I I can't stand it when I see one and it's got bubbles between the screen protector and the glass. That's kind of, well, that's that's the other problem. Anytime I've used that sort of stuff, the fact is the fitting is a pain in the neck. In fact, in time times past, I've had I don't I've never used screen protectors really, but I have I have used the you know the kind of the plastic film that goes over the transparent yeah. plastic film that goes over the iPhone. Yeah. So it basically protects it from scratches, but doesn't give you any drop protection, and also doesn't kind of alter the look of the phone that much i've used that in the past there have been times i've ordered that and then waited like two three months to get around to putting it on just because it's such a pain in the neck to get it right well this is my problem you buy an 800 or a thousand dollar phone which let's call it what it is it's a little computer and you buy a tiny little uh, a cheap little 20 dollar protection for it Uh, hello (laughs) Yeah. No, it doesn't work that way. Sorry, you're, you're being. Yeah, that's not in smart. some some respects, I kind of wish Apple did more with protection. They do the leather cases, which I've used before, and they're really, really good. But they are not thin; they're quite bulky. No, uh, actually, um, I've got an Apple, the red one, leather case for my iPhone 8 Plus. It's extremely thin. Well, I used um, to have I used to have that on there. Uh, I used to have one, um, and uh, I've. I really noticed the difference when I took, took it off and switched to something else. The last one I had, the one I've given to Alexander, actually had a glass back. So it was a case, but it had a glass back. So it, you still got that kind of nice feel. It was a grippier glass than the stuff you get directly on the iPhone. Um, and uh, I, I kind of had that as kind of a sacrificial thing. I t- figured if it's going to drop and break, at least the glass on the case will break before the glass on the phone will. Um, but... Uh, one of the things I noticed when I switched to that is how much thinner the phone felt compared to when oh. it was in the Apple case. Yeah, even um, as, as thin as my case is, when I take it out of that case, man, it feels really, really thin. They are. I tell you, if you if you can get past the psychological worry about scratching or breaking it, the phones feel really do feel very nice in the hand if you don't have yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So, uh Giving you guys enough spoiler warnings, we're going to talk about The Mandalorian. Um, I'm also a little excited because uh, a video game actually came out this week, today, uh, Jedi Fallen Order, and I've seen some trailers, and I've seen like 10 minutes of gameplay. I didn't want to watch any more than that because I figured if I'm going to buy the game, you know, I want to experience it myself. I don't want to watch somebody else playing it. Um, it's a, it's a one-player game. This is it, not an online game. It is. I, I got to admit, I read a review of it this morning that was suggested perhaps it was underwhelming. So I'll be very interested to get your take on that once you've had a chance yeah. to play it. Yeah, it, it might be a while before I get it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is. It's definitely on my radar. Um, I'm looking at the Verge's game review, and I didn't really read it. I just kind of glanced through it. But I like this part Zelda, part Tomb Raider, part Uncharted, all Star Wars. Hey, you know what? That's some pretty good company right there. Yeah, it is. Um, the I like every review, one of those games. I think the review I read was um, was comparing it to Dark Souls uh, and said that they hadn't really pulled it off. But maybe that's just the comparison with Dark Souls. I don't know. As I said, reviews are all fine. But actually, I mean, we've all played games that we absolutely love that have got hammered in the reviews. So. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's a personal choice. So when you Absolutely. do get it, I will be interested to hear your feedback. And you'll get it eventually, but let's get uh, feedback on The Mandalorian. So um, Disney Plus launched this last week. Uh, they are like Amazon, like uh, like uh, Apple TV, like Netflix. Netflix. They release new episodes on Fridays. Um, unlike Netflix, however... Um, they're not releasing entire ser- uh, the entire episodes all at once. It's or you know it's it's once a week, more like traditional TV. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, Game of Thrones was huge, and that was a weekly show. So there is something to be said for you get one episode, and then the water cooler talk starts, and then it continues the next week because then you watch the new episode. Whereas you get one week of huge, bam, everything is so exciting, like Stranger Things, mm-hmm. and then you got to wait another year because people do binge watch it. They watch it all at the same time, and it's like Thanksgiving here in the U.S. where you just gorge yourself and you're sated for one day, yeah. whereas 
trickling out on you know on a weekly basis boy that's hard man you well know? what's interesting is is you have to wonder and and with the mandalorian it appears they knew this was going to happen that because the, the the way you structure your episodes on a multi-episode arc and the way you kind of uh, structure the story within each episode you really as a, as a, uh, a creator you have to kind of bear that in mind if you're um if you're building the episode arcs up to make sure that you, you know, obviously if it's only going to come out every week what you really need to do is you want to have episodes that kind of finish on a a cliffhanger keep them coming back for more yeah but they do that still uh, even on the ones that they release all at the same time stranger things is a good example of that uh tom clancy's jack ryan over on amazon they did a good job of it as well that because it does end on a cliffhanger or you got to get to the next thing you can't wait well it's just right there just click and you can watch it now so do you think that the immediate gratification of all at once or do you think the trickle out approach, which is traditional television, has been yeah. because of the necessity of traditional television back in the day? Um, which which do you prefer? Well, for me, um, it, it's probably less of an issue because I'm always catching up anyway. I'm never normally catching these things as, as they a, come out. You're right. I mean, right. obviously, with the Mandalorian here in the UK, the whole is what eight episodes a season. The whole thing will be out by the time Disney Plus launches here, and, and we get to see it. So, from from our point of view, we're getting the opposite effect than than you are in terms of the right. drip drip. You're um, going to get it all at once. I guess. Yeah. I guess. Um, which, by the way, I think is stupid. I understand there's probably some legal reasons, I guess. Uh, but to to make you guys wait six months? Are you kidding me? Yeah. I mean, well, what's, what's, what's Disney gonna, has to know that happen? these are going to be torrented exactly. day of. Yeah, what's going to happen is that most of the people in the UK who want to watch The Mandalorian are going to go it. out and acquire it a different way and never watch yes. it on Disney+. Plus. Right. Now, I wouldn't do that because I'm a very firm believer in paying legitimately for my content. So I'm, I'm talking hypothetically about The Mandalorian here, but obviously most <laughs> other people don't have the sort of scruples that I do as a responsible podcast. Are we going to name this one Wink Wink Nudge Nudge? <laughs> this episode you can name it whatever you want Tim. yeah okay. um so so i i'm of two minds of course yeah. i i liked uh, being able to digest what i just saw and i can live with it for a week and i can read some of the speculation of what people think and their opinions and what's going to happen next and you get that for a good solid two months that's great but from a purely more 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 I, man, I just want to get to the next episode. I, I really think do. It, it'll depend how successful the Mandalorian is. I think. Well, the first episode broke Disney Plus. Yeah, <laughs> um, but in terms of the overall success of the season, I, I, the reason I'm talking about this is I remember Westworld. Westworld, when it came out, was huge, and they did yeah. this where it came out once a week, yeah. and there were podcasts around it speculating. And Westworld had a lot of twists and turns in the particular that first season. And so it really, really worked because, you know, it, it took a long time before you realized what was going on and how cleverly they structured the uh, the episodes. The problem is, for Westworld, is that who's heard of it since? <laughs> you know, Well, they had, on- they had a preview for season three and it had Aaron Paul in it. And people went, oh, that looks interesting. And they didn't even realize it was Westwood at first. Yeah. Like, and the, oh, and here's, here's the issue. Season two kind of sunk without a trace, really. Um, it was nowhere near as talked about and as successful as season one. Um, right. And I think that's because the episodic nature builds that kind of thing. It's hard to sustain that over multiple seasons. So what I, if, if I were in the position of, of these execs, what I would do is maybe do week by week for the first season, but then after that maybe release it in batches or whole seasons or whatever, um, recognizing that you can't maintain that level of furore well, for your the, the problem product. with Westworld is that it was an HBO series and their whole premise is week to week to week to week to week yeah. to week because they're still, even though they're really pushing into the online space and they have been for a while, um, they are still traditional television and that's mm-hmm. the problem with HBO. Yeah that I don't see that changing anytime soon because they're not going to release an entire season online and then make people that don't pay for the, you know, the online access to watch it on a week to week basis because all their buddies at work, they've already seen the entire series. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I I think HBO is going to stick to the week to week formula. And it seems to be working right now for Disney plus, at least with the Mandalorian. Um, 
all the reviews have been all over the board. I've seen reviews that for the first episode that said, this is amazing. It's brilliant. That seems to be the universal consensus on Facebook and some of the groups that I belong to. Uh, I've also seen reviews that said, uh, it was all, uh, style, no substance, which there's some truth to that. Um, they didn't do a whole lot of character development at all, but Uh, I think it was designed that way. I, well, I think this is this is part of the problem. Is there's clearly there's a there's a much wider vision going on. Um, I wondered whether the first episode had suffered from some late editing because it, I found it very very uneven. There were parts of it that were fantastic, yeah. and there were parts of it where I was thinking, "What the hell are they doing? Why is this going on so long? Why is this?" You know, um, I found the whole intro sequence didn't really land for me in terms of you know him capturing that first guy I oh mean, i like that that was uh, one well, of my favorite I, parts I, I, I saw where it was going and i thought this is going to be cool they're really going to kind of set the style for this but then i found the guy just captured and he was meant to be funny i just found him annoying um and uh the whole i never take my helmet off thing is is the, i think here's my problem with it i really really liked it i thought the stylistically it was star wars they really oh, yeah. nailed that it, yeah no question yeah? absolutely this is you with know, a spaghetti western feel yeah and and i thought i i really thought you know this kind of works this is you know the scenario of uh, lone bounty hunter and it's clear that there are things that we are not being told about the mandalorian that we will find out later on and he will um, take his helmet off there's no question in fact they even yeah. showed the some woman taking his helmet off in a future episode during yeah. the previews um, but but I, what the, the criticism I have for it is some of the pacing I found was very very uneven. I, I you know it really kind of by the time I got to the end of the episode and the last twenty minutes of the show are fabulous. Oh yeah, it's so yeah? good, absolutely yes. fabulous. And then I felt found myself thinking, well, you know, it looked like they padded out the beginning before they got to this bit because they wanted to finish on this. Um, and and I I, I I felt a little bit cheated by that. I, I've got to be honest. The other thing that I didn't like about it was that the the fan service I thought was overdone. I, I mm. didn't want every single shot uh, of that wasn't of the Mandalorian to be of something that we recognise from the Star Wars universe, and there was there was too much of that. It really, really what it got annoying to be honest. When you start saying, "Oh, there's 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 the species that was in one of the movies, and there's the species in another, and there's a robot that we've seen before, and and all that," so I, it it got irritating because I just thought, well, you know, really, you'd be better to start saying, "Yes, we have a little bit of fan service, a little bit of recognition, but really, this is our thing, and it's it's well, different." Well, I think from these, I Wars. think this, I think you're going to get into a lot more of that. I think they're starting yeah. this way to draw in an established fan base, which I think is actually really really smart. Yeah. There well, was some really. Yeah. St- strange things to see on a disney thing though um especially the little dude that hung out on java's lap all the time in uh return of the jedi you see two of them in this show and one of them is being roasted over a fire while his little buddy's in a cage looking at him going oh i thought holy crap i thought that was like well, a it, sentient being it laughs in jedi yeah, and stuff it's, uh, and they're it's, roasting one holy yeah, crap it's it's definitely going for a much harder edge tone than anything we've seen before in star wars and i i appreciate for that yeah i'm, um, I'm fine with that the only uh, the there only were some other, episodes of clone wars that did the yeah. same thing that you thought wow I'd, this is a lot tougher than i would expect it on a star wars cartoon show the only other thing that i came away with and this might be deliberate this may be part of the development of the Mandalorian as a character is that I, you know, he was often being talked about as like, you know, the biggest, the best of the best of the bounty hunters. And then he would do something incredibly stupid and nearly get himself killed. And that happened a couple of times. And I thought, well, okay, so is that deliberate? Well, I think so because you don't want the, well, you don't want the main character to be such a badass that you never worry about his fate. Um, You want to show that. Yeah, but, but some And of they the, didn't say he was the badass. He was a Mandalorian. Well, and here's, so here's the thing. I mean, I'm wondering if perhaps the plot line of this is that, you know, he, he has this reputation because of the helmet and everything, but actually underneath, you know, he's not he's not quite as hard-edged and cool as, as everyone thinks he is. Um, you know, he seemed to be, for instance, he seemed to be very desperate about getting the biggest payday. Um, and, you know, so he takes on this this kind of unexpectedly unreasonable mission um and again yet despite that he was you know when he gets to the uh when we get to that end battle scene he's very quickly quite happy to share the bounty with the robot 
with the droid. And you kind of think, well, hang on a minute. If this guy really thinks he knows what he's doing and, and doesn't work particularly with droids, it was telegraphed a lot that he doesn't like droids, why would he so quickly... Um, you know, buddy up with the droid. Maybe you know he's a bit of a fraud, or well, a bit of no, a. You know, I didn't get that at all. I think you're misreading that entire scene. Um, what what happened there was uh, that's a another bounty hunter, and he's part of the bounty hunting guild. So he either works with them or he has to leave because the other one was there first. And they they're not supposed to fight each other. Mm. You don't you don't commit violence against oh. another guild member. Oh, okay. Well, well, I, did, I certainly didn't get that. My, you know, the reason I was thinking... And he didn't those, share the bounty, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> but the reason I was thinking along those lines was because, you know, even in that first scene, he has that badass fight in the bar, but then he gets shot in the shoulder, um, which obviously could have ended badly for him. And then the business with getting trapped by the, by the horse... What, what, what did Alexander say they looked like? Tadpoles, giant tadpoles. Yeah. Yeah. Tadpoles, that's what they but, look like. Yeah, uh, he, you know, th- that was kind of. I, I, I just watched it. I thought, hang on a minute. You know, this this guy is meant to be one of the world's best bounty hunters, and yet he doesn't check his perimeter before he starts looking through uh, a telescope. That yeah, is that just was a like weird. you know, it's it's dumb. And, and, I, and, I, and also I hope found... it's just not lazy writing to say, well, we need to introduce <laughs> Nick Nolte's character. So yeah, which by the way, just... I, I I can only hear Nick Nolte. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's clearly Nick Nolte. Uh, um, Nick, Nick Nolte's I didn't next like that movie, whole... I expect him to say, I have spoken quite a lot. I have spoken, <laughs> yes. Um, I actually kind of dug that. I like that, that they yeah. kept to that. Um, I did like that how they introduced that character, but the premise of it is stupid. Okay, we have to ride these tadpoles with legs to get over to where we're going. Well, he's got a spaceship. He couldn't fly over there and land a kilometer away. And not only that, it's just like when you actually see them running across the landscape, there was nothing that indicated the landscape was not walkable no, or right. uh, or travelable by a, a, a speeder or anything like that. It's like you say, yeah, the guy guy flew there in a spaceship. It, it seems to be a it seems to be a thing because he did it in the previous planet as well. Whereas he yeah. part far away and then and then walked. And maybe it's a stealth thing. I don't know. I, but, yeah, I don't, um, I don't get it. It, it didn't it make does, a whole lot of sense. <laughs> It, it, like, it, it seemed purely to 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 be there to reinforce the Western feel where, you know, they've got to ride on the Star Wars equivalent of a horse. Here's my issue, my, my overriding issue so far, one episode in, to be fair, with The Mandalorian is that it's Boba Fett. They're not. They're not adding anything to this character. It could be they could have just called it Boba Fett. He survived the Sarlacc pit. This is Boba Fett. Would yeah. it make any difference at all? I suggest no, not one bit. Well, this is this is why I speculate about perhaps they're going to take the character in a different direction than we're all expecting. Well, I it's think, not going to be Boba the, Fett because the actor's already given the. No, no, I'm not. Su- I'm not suggesting it's Boba Fett. I'm, what I'm saying is perhaps they're going to take. The uh, the the backstory of the Mandalorian in a different direction than the badass hard you know hard nail bounty hunter. I'm still sticking to my well, theory. Well, I think that, they still have he may, to. He may be a fraud. And no, you know what? I don't Let's, think he's a fraud. I'm, I'm going to run with this because you think about it. Boba Fett was a bit crap. Oh yeah, everyone <laughs> yeah. likes to pretend Boba Fett. I, I've made this argument before. Yeah. Everyone makes Boba Fett to be though this is badass, except. Uh, he captures Han, but not really. Vader does that, yeah. right? Um, and he never chases him down. Um, and then he, he fights the guy, bad guys on the skiff, and he gets knocked into by a blind dude at the time. Yeah, into the Scarlet Pit, and he screams like a little bitch as and, he goes in. And Jango Fett, his father again, was kind of decapitated by a Jedi, and didn't really show, you know, that he could stand up to the Jedi and all that. No. I'm still going. My theory is. Is that they're gonna they're well, gonna put it across? To to they're gonna put it, yeah. They're gonna put they're gonna put it across that the Mandalorians it's all myth, and they're nowhere near as good as everyone thinks they are. No, I think it's the opposite. I think they are as good as well because see you did you watch the Clone Wars? Yeah, I uh, know I haven't watched the Clone Wars. You never watched that series? No. Well, you'll be able to watch the whole thing when Disney Plus hits because it's all there and they're going to have a new episode. I'll be able to binge season. that as well, will I? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they establish through a couple seasons who the Mandalorians are and they are badasses. Um, I, I know they, they, they were doing that in, um, I did watch rebels and, the, and they did the same sort of thing there, but yeah, um, they're, they're badass characters. They really are. 
Maybe That's one of the reasons that more people were excited because of the Mandalorian. How about because this? of that backstory? Maybe the reason he takes them never takes the mask off is underneath he's not really a Mandalorian. Ah. So let's get to. The I big reckon reveal. underneath the mask he might be a Skywalker. Oh, there you go. Because no. we know that's ne- not going to happen. They've never done that before in Star Wars, where suddenly mm-hmm. somebody comes across and they actually turn out to be a member of the Skywalker family. Yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's talk about that ending. Um, baby not Yoda is marketing gold. How do you not have plush toys? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, holy crap. Baby not Yoda is the reaction to that. Um, it's hilarious. I saw one post where it showed the baby not Yoda. I mean, it's clearly a Yoda. It's Yoda species species. Yeah. Um, Although it would be awesome if it is Yoda, he was, you know, when he disappeared, he's reincarnated, but yeah. there's not enough time between it because the baby's 50 years old and this yeah. doesn't take place 50 years after Return of the Jedi. Um, I, okay, number one, I don't want to hear Baby Yoda ever talk. <laughs> Feed me, you will. No, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> Diaper dirty it is. Can you Nothing. Yeah, I don't want to. No. How how could you live? Mewy sounds and stuff like that. I, I, that's fine. I, I think that that's the perfect definition of hell to be stuck as a baby for fifty years. Well, 50, like the robot imagine, said, species you, age differently. Can you imagine fifty years of nappy rash? Mm. Yeah, fifty years without a solid meal. I, I I have to assume that the species is super rare, and there's only ever a few of them ever born at one time, and that's why these whatever they were these this clan had this baby because it's extremely valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, I found it. Well, anyways, this, I saw this Twitter thing. She had this picture and it said, can't come to work. I'm just going to worship at the altar of baby, not Yoda for hours now. <laughs> um, and then some was like, I would kill to protect baby, not Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was. So I, I did see some reaction, like how dare they, mm. Um, but Dave Filoni, who is the heir apparent to George Lucas, as far as canon and who these characters are and all this, uh, has a big role in the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. So even though John Favreau is writing the series and he's kind of the, the head of it, he's working with Dave Filoni too. Yeah. And Dave Filoni directed this episode. Yeah, he did. Uh, yeah. So for those who are saying George Lucas, they never meant to show and Bob, no, that's not the case. Dave Filoni is involved. It, it's it came from George Lucas himself then, because Lucas explained all of this to him. So I I reject that out of hand. That being said, um, it's really one of the only things in the Star Wars canon that no one ever knew anything about, right? Because yeah. they explored all these other characters, you know, in books and comics and video games and cartoon series. Ad nauseum. What we never, ever got was anything about Yoda species, ever. We only ever saw Yoda. So that is, I think, a great way to kick off this live action. And remember, this is the first live action TV series of Star Wars. Yep. Uh, and the production values are just off the charts. It's just amazing. Um, Disney's sparing no expense on this. Um, no, they must at, have They must have sold several crates of Beskar steel. Absolutely. It must have, yeah. <laughs> Um, I think it's a great storyline that they've created. I think that the first episode was purposely ubiquitous and that it's going to get better from here. In fact, I know someone who's already watched the first, uh, the second episode and said, if you like the first episode, you're going to love, love, love the second. So, um, I'm looking forward to seeing where the series goes. I think Obviously, they have a, a massive hit on their hands, and it's it's up to them not to screw it up at this yeah. point. Disney Plus itself has been a massive success. It was so popular that some people couldn't even stream on day one because it was just overloaded. Um, yeah, remember when Apple was talking about they could? Oh wait, never mind. <laughs> you know, you get two two online things like this: Disney Plus and Apple TV Plus. And everybody wants to make it a competition. There was no competition here, folks. Yep. Um, it, it It's what Disney pulled off. Only Disney could pull off. Seriously. 
they're the only ones that could have done this. And it's almost not fair because they had they have so much more in-house content. But that's the point. Yeah. They have the content. Apple didn't. And Apple didn't make any deals to get anybody else's content to share on their platform. And I think that's where Apple is going to have massive problems. Um, unless Apple gets their you-know-what together quickly, they're going to be, the you know, and also ran. They're going to become part of Disney Plus because nobody's going to pay for Disney Plus or uh, uh, Apple TV Plus when you have... Disney Plus and Netflix, to a lesser degree, Amazon. Uh, it's just, it's almost not fair. Yeah. I Well, you know, content is king. Um, and uh, creating new content from scratch versus having Star Wars and Marvel. <laughs> and I, I did watch... Disney is, yeah. is, is not really, even really a fair And fight. National Geographic, because I, the other thing I watched... Uh, I did watch, by the way, um, A New Hope as well, because I kept hearing that they changed the Guido scene. Now they shoot at the same time. They did. <sighs> it's Stop just, it. uh, you know what? I, I kind of get the impression that George Lucas is, is like, um, he must be one of those people that when he has a cut and it scabs over, he can't stop picking at it. Mm -hmm. And the more he picks at it, the worse he makes it. Because that's what, that's what this Guido scene is to him. Um, so I, I read, uh, did you read the... Um, the, the interview with the guy who played Greedo. Mm -mm. Um, so there was an interview in Empire Magazine, the UK, over the weekend that um, interviewed him. And uh, he had no idea this was happening because they go, well, did anyone consult with you? And of course they didn't. You know? No. He, he didn't even do the voice for Greedo. He was just the no. guy in the rubber suit. Yeah. So he had no idea whatsoever. But he said he has watched it because he, he was wondering why all of a sudden people started sending this McClunky word to him, which is this snatch of, of dialogue that you hear Greedo say just before he gets shot in this new scene yeah. revision. Um, so, uh, yeah, he, he kind of said, said, well, you know, the scene wasn't even meant to be there. It was only because it was a filler scene because Lucas needed something because he'd had to cut all the Jabba the Hutt scenes. You know, remember the original Jabba the Hutt scenes with... Um, yeah, it was, with, a with a, it, it was It was a guy in a big coat, basically, playing Jabba the Hutt rather than yeah. what Jabba the Hutt became. They cut all of those, and he needed something else to kind of bridge that part of the movie. So he, he, that's why they did the Greedo scene. Yeah. Uh, and clearly, Lucas has never been happy and yeah. um, has keeps, keeps on... I, don't, I really don't understand. Uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it was fine the original time... Yep, they never uh, needed to change it. It made Han more of a badass. Uh, I, he well, will shoot first, and who even, wouldn't? Not even, yeah, not even that. It's just like, even going back to the original scene, it's not that obvious that right. Han shoots first anyway. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's really a matter of opinion whether, you know, the guy is, the, Greedo is saying, I've been looking forward to killing you. Yeah. Yeah, and then get shot. So, you know, what's the difference, really? It wasn't exactly. like Greedo was going to go, oh, only joking. Yeah. yeah, so it, it, it's stupid. I watched, um, it, but I watched that uh, that that movie, and I got to say, it, it's probably the best version um, graphically that I've ever seen of it. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it's 4K and it looks brilliant. It really does. Um, although some of the uh, special effects don't come across as good as I remember, simply because yeah, it's it. Some of those scenes are really exposed at 4K. Um, yeah. I watched one other episode of an original series on Disney plus called the world according to Jeff Goldblum. And I didn't want to like it. It was about tennis shoes mm -hmm. and I liked it a lot. And I, I'm, that's another one that I, I was kind of surprised because I think Jeff Goldblum himself is kind of a flaky weirdo. Um, well, you know, here's the weird, weird thing. You know, cause I, funnily enough, I saw Jeff Goldblum over the weekend because we had a, um, we have Remembrance Day for uh, for all the all the soldiers who've lost in lost in who've been killed in wars. It's our Remembrance Day in, in Europe is the is eleventh of November or the Sunday closest to it. So it was last weekend, and they had a concert at the Albert Hall um, where they have marching bands, the Queen, and all the royal family were there, and all this sort of thing. And halfway through it, Jeff Goldblum turns up playing jazz on a piano in the middle. Yeah, and you know weird. what? Well, it's weird, but. As he when he was young, he was just a weirdo. As he's gotten older, he seems to have 
become a really cool weirdo. It was incredibly cool, even though it's extre- extremely weird. And he's pulling this shtick off. Oh, he is. Yeah. Uh, no question about it. And he does on this series, too. But it's... I didn't want to like it, and I did. Yeah. I don't know if you missed that part. I, I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. You know, he he talks the- about the whole sneaker culture that we have yeah. right now, and it was extremely fascinating. But I think it was fascinating because it's Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. You know, he brings that whatever it is, and 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 and, and it just and yeah. Yeah, that, I mean that's the thing. He kind of. By the know, way, when you do a Jeff Goldblum, you have to use your hands a lot. Obviously, it's a weird thing. I'm, yeah. I'm picturing your hands up by your temples, really. Yeah, it's, that, well, it's by my chin, and it was right. both of them. And 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 <laughs> yeah. And then you you touch your mouth with your finger a lot. It's weird. He's basically. You realize that the character who played in Jurassic Park is him. <laughs> well, he's never not played Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. Even when he was in Thor Ragnarok, it's Jeff. It's he's he just, plays the same role in everything. Yeah, he's just. Um, he's yeah, Jeff. Oh, said, it shouldn't yeah. work, but it does. Yeah, yeah. It, that's who he is. Um, so we're going to wrap up this episode. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts on Mandalorian. Maybe the world according to Jeff Goldblum. Um, How about the world according to the Mandalorian? That would be good. <laughs> be a silent show. Yeah. Didn't you think his voice was a little soft for such a badass? Well, this goes to my theory. Yeah. You know, know, he only talks through the vocoder. He doesn't talk directly. So he's always The thing that. is, the actor playing him is a great actor. I yeah. loved him and everything I've seen him in. Yeah, but he's he's on the helmet. So. Yeah, and that's, I don't know. That's kind of a, either get an actor that it doesn't matter. He's got a badass voice and he never, ever, 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 ever takes off the helmet. You never see him without the helmet on. I, you know, if you never take the helmet off, that would really stink. That would <sighs> really, really stink. But why? Why would it stink? Yeah. Because you'd be sweating in there for well, like the whole actor, of your life. I'm talking about from the viewer point of view. I'm talking about from the viewer point of view. If everybody around him would... would a guy, you know, he might be a badass, but he smells like a tramp because he's got the world's stinkiest helmet. Yeah, well, that's kind of the whole the mystique there, David. <laughs> yeah. Don't want to get caught by Boba Fett because, oh, the stench in Slave yeah, One I, is just I, terrible. I, I bet you he has some real skin problems then. Yeah, you know, you know they couldn't do, they, you know for a fact they can't have his Boba Fett and have his ship because there's no way they're getting away with calling it Slave One in <laughs> yes. 2020. Not terribly woke, is it? Not, yeah. not really. No, that's not probably. That probably uh, the other work. thing. Oh, oh, here's a continuity point. How does he freeze people in carbonite inside his ship? Well, bear in mind, bear, didn't show. You, did they show you actually putting him in the carbonite? Because that whole yeah, he grabs that dude up. and he slams him into there, and the spray hits uh, him. Well, you know what? I was having Apple TV problems, so maybe I missed it. But yeah, no, yeah but there. the whole setup at Bespin was kind of filled two floors. And yet he's well, that's to because they had mul- the ship. No, that's because they had multiple in there. That that was a big factory thing. Ah, uh, right. Okay. So, but uh, with this, so it's it's, it's kind this of like, is my problem. It's kind of like Here's- a three D printer. So you can you can go to Monoprice and buy a portable one. Yes. Yeah, I I'm going to place an order now for my my carbonite furnace. I thought the sound of Bubble Fett's laser blast was the same as everybody else's, and it was Slave One laser that made that different laser sound maybe i'm wrong but he it was that doing doing that different laser blast sign sound that the mandalorian's blaster was making i thought well, yeah i thought that was the ship that made that strange noise not maybe, it, maybe it's all mandalorian weapons yeah it's the technology you know why they sound like that because the sound is reflecting off the stink coming from their uh, helmets I, I hope they have the laser swords because then they establish they have these dark blades that's kind of like a lightsaber, but it's metal, and the energy goes around the edge of the weapon. It's really in the TV in the Clone Wars TV series. It's a really badass looking weapon. I mean, it really is. I love to see them establish that in the Mandalorian TV series because it's badass. It goes head to head with a lightsaber, and it looks well. Apparently, yeah, uh, that that Beskar steel. I read this over the week, uh, uh, over the evening as well. That Beskar steel that he wears, the arm, which is you know the proper armor as opposed to the beat up stuff, is meant right. to be able to resist a lightsaber blade. 
uh, yeah, and laser blast um, up to a certain extent. I oh mean, well, all I can say is Django. If he'd just been wearing a Beskar collar, he probably wouldn't collar. Be he'd be fine. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> All right, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, David, I will see you uh, next week. And uh, I don't know. We'll get back to our wiki trolling, obviously. Eventually. Because just too much stuff to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. All right, then. Have a good week. You too. See you then. Bye.